Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Good morning. Clearly, I'm not Pastor Sarah, and I thank her for my introduction. I welcome you to the church services this morning as well. When the conference designated October the 18th as Laity Sunday, they couldn't possibly have known that our church would be in the middle of a sermon series on disappointment. In light of that topic, I don't know if I'm honored to be asked to speak or destined to prove to the world that I am properly placed to deliver the message today. Nonetheless, I appreciate your being with us. When I used to start uh, lectures to non-anesthesia groups, I would say, I'm an anesthesiologist who puts people to sleep, but I hope not to demonstrate any of those talents to you today. That is certainly true this morning. The sermon series that we're working through, dealing with disappointment, has dealt at first with disappointment in ourselves. And then last week, disappointment in others. And this week, disappointment even with God. Next week, we'll be talking about disappointment with loved ones, which may or may not be too different from self and from others. In a spoiler alert, and what should give Pastor Sarah some uh, ease of mind, I'm going to answer the question about how do we move forward from disappointment as a Christian by gaining solace and reassurance from the written and spoken word. There's enough substance there to overcome disappointment if, if we invest the time to seek it and strive for resolution. As a starting point, let's clarify what we are directing our attention to. What are we to focus on? Disappointment, as defined in my Webster's New World Dictionary from 1988, is defined by to fail to satisfy the hopes or expectations of, to leave unsatisfied. If you look in a thesaurus, you'll find that there are also many like words, including a falling short of one's hope, unfulfillment, and non-success. So to me, that sounds like disappointment is a consequence of actions, inactions, and choices. The thesaurus also talks about failure as a similar word. So we might question whether disappointment is similar or equates to failure. Failure is defined as falling short, losing power or strength, a breakdown in function or operation, or not succeeding in doing or becoming. If you go to the thesaurus, there's a whole page of like words for failure. And failure to me sounds a little bit more active than the consequence of disappointment. We've had in some of our discussions the element of suffering come up. There will be a, a component of suffering in disappointment, particularly when suffering is defined as the bearing or undergoing of pain, distress, or injury. And today's scripture brings in the element of anger. Is anger a part of disappointment? Anger has a unique description and definition. It's the feeling of displeasure resulting from injury, mistreatment, or opposition, usually with the desire to strike back at the supposed cause of the failure. So perhaps for today's discussion, there's a concept of disappointment embedded in dissatisfaction and a lack of success of achieving our hopes to the point, perhaps, that other emotions are provoked. So in light of this information, 
What is it that we want to get out of the story about Jonah? What can we say about Jonah? You know in church that when scriptures are read, there's always a pre-story or an after-story that is relevant to its interpretation. As a matter of fact, the second word in the reading today, the first verse, this, but this. Well, what is the this that we're talking about? Let's review. The book of Jonah is a prophetic book of four chapters. The first, as Sarah indicated to the children, deals with his flight from Tarshish after being asked by God to go to Nineveh. The second chapter deals with his prayer from the belly of the whale. The third deals with his obedience, finally, of going to Nineveh and prophesying that there will be destruction in the city in 40 days unless those people turn from their evil ways. And finally, today's chapter where Jonah has an accumulation of disappointments to the point that he becomes angry with God. Now, remember that Jonah was a Jew being asked to go to the Gentile city of Nineveh to help save them. This clearly was not something he was very interested in. But he does arrive finally and announces that in 40 days the city will be destroyed by God because of the the Ninevites' evil ways. And yet he becomes disappointed again because... The people changed their ways, including the king. Even the king put on sackcloth and sat in ashes as a sign of mourning. He ordered the entire city to go on a fast. He entired them all to wear sackcloth and to repent so that God wouldn't destroy the city. So Jonah gets disappointed at the point where he asks God to not to kill him twice, which doesn't work out either. That probably caused him some disappointment. He had the benefit of the bush, And then the fact that it went away. He was angered most, though. And this is the this in the chapter that we read. Jonah is most angered by the fact that God changed his mind. He demonstrated that he has mercy and grace for one man, Jonah, and all men, the people of Nineveh, that he can destroy and create for his own purposes. So the question then becomes, how do we suffer disappointment in our lives? We have to remember that disappointment is a two-way street. We call last week's story about Noah, how God was disappointed, and clearly he is going to be disappointed with Noah's choices and actions today. So you have to question, have you let someone down or has someone you love been let down? Did this provoke a reaction in you to the disappointment? Have you found your way for reconciliation? We can become disappointed in so many ways in life. It could be that the news in general, no matter what format it comes in, provides great source of disappointment. But let's focus on one. The Virginia football team entered last season's ACC championship game against Clemson, eager to prove it belonged on the national stage. Losing is frustrating. Getting blown out in a conference title game on national television reaches another level of disappointment. Indeed, probably the most generic A source of disappointment that has affected everyone's life is the COVID pandemic. Those of you that work know that there has been a change in tasks, a change in location, a change in format of your work, or work has stopped altogether. Schools have not been immune. School has equally been disrupted. And now we have virtual learning, the success of which is based upon the number of screens you have at home, the quality of your internet connectivity, and the attention span of the students. There have, of course, been massive changes in societal interactions. Restaurants are closed. 
movie houses are closed. We don't have maintained the, the relationships that we had in contact with people that we have loved. And sports and other activities have been greatly disrupted. The church has not escaped the consequences of COVID. And perhaps the loss of those abundant in-person opportunities here, where the sense of community is so vital, the, de the destruction and disappointment from COVID has a maximum effect. It prompted one young person to write to Reader's Digest and say this, Dear God, I bet it is very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. We have to acknowledge that we can have disappointment in our leaders and in our experts and their disagreements about how we are to behave and how we are to proceed to resolution of the current problems. And of course, a major change in health can produce great disappointment, including the risks related to COVID. So disappointment in our lives is real. And with that being true, what can we do, what do we do, what must we do to help manage disappointment? Well, you have a number of choices. You could ignore disappointment, just like Jonah tried to ignore the call from the Lord, to, but he chose to flee instead of go. As with many other diseases, though, the ignoring the problem probably isn't going to solve it in the long run or the short run and isn't going to fix it. You could try humor. Humor is another one of those temporary fixes for disappointment. Humor didn't seem to be in Jonah's arsenal, although it is, there is some folly in the fact that he tried to flee from God's call on him. Some have said that because of COVID, we all want to be more like Saul on the road to Damascus. With the change in the school system, one parent wrote it to say, it may take a village to raise a child, but it'll take a vineyard to homeschool one. And with more time at home and the investment in our um, life, there have been some who have turned to exercise. One woman signed up for a Zoom workout class, but it was far too advanced. So when the instructor said to do a plank and bring your knee to the opposite elbow, she did the modified version. She turned off the computer and went and made pancakes. So humor works temporarily, short term, but probably doesn't solve things. Realize that Jonah spent time in the whale in chapter 2 in the book of Jonah. There he had great time to contemplate his circumstances and eventually did have a change of heart. So perhaps meditation will work. Local authorities talk about meditation being based upon acceptance, which means seeing things as they actually are in the present moment to achieve peace and resolution. So perhaps meditation, mindfulness, devoted attention, and prayer are ways to begin to focus on what problems are. But as I promised Pastor Sarah and you all, there will be a more enduring solution to disappointment management as found in the scriptures, the written and the spoken word. Now you'll think immediately that, well, the Bible is the source of the scriptures, and that is certainly true, but I want to add to that today by reminding you that the hymns have many scriptural bases and that being true they are given for our uh, spiritual heritage our witness and our diversion 
by the conference, and we should take advantage of that as a resource as well. The caveat I have for you this morning as to the hymns and their scriptural basis is that the comfort and solace, the reassurance and the grace doesn't always come through in the first verse, which everybody knows. Take, for instance, verse 4 of Amazing Grace. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Think about the hymn we're going to close the service with today. Verse 2. Standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. And what about the hymn we started with? Great is thy faithfulness. Verse 3. Did you hear it? Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Another example, verse 2. What a friend we have in Jesus. Have we trials and tribulations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Verses like these seem to be a balm to the disappointment, the suffering, the failure, and the anger that we might endure and might encounter no matter to whom it's focused. So there are many, many more. You will have your own favorite verses of hymns, but don't look over the reassurance that comes in all the verses, not just the ones that are most familiar. And finally, we should deal with the scriptures themselves. They can guide us to dealing with disappointment, even when the disappointment is directed at God. First off, we need to admit our disappointment with God. We can't be afraid to tell God when we, what we really feel. An example is the story of Martha when her brother Lazarus died in John 11, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She didn't spare what she really felt. Being honest does not undermine our faith. Remember that God already knows us thoroughly and God hasn't turned away. Even Jonah with, knew his God was merciful and Jonah was disappointed to the point of anger with God, but God did not forsake him. We have to acknowledge that we are emotional creatures, which is a product of our humanity. We understand that a lack of success or the presence of disappointment um, can provoke actions that we might not have thought we would be engaging in. Unhappiness can lead to discontent. Anxiety can produce a lack of faith and trust and a distortion of reality. Anger can lead to a, a lack of love. Jealousy can lead to envy. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 says this, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. These negative emotions do not need to define us, and this isn't the way that God sees us. Roman 8 addresses this when it says, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God according to his purpose. 
God didn't abandon Jonah, though he disobeyed and fled. He was a rather unwilling prophet, and he was ungrateful to God and, and was angry with him. So sometimes we might feel like we need to deal with disappointment alone. We can handle this. We are self-sufficient. Remember that being self-sufficient means that you have to handle all of life on your own. The reality is that we need God to complete us. God wants relationship. God knows that we have needs that only God can meet. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Not that we are competent of ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our competence is from God. We are urged by God to strive for reconciliation, as shown in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So here's the deal. In spite of the reassurance from these verses and their presence every day for our reading, we still have to work to grow our faith and accept the responsibility to live our life that way after those changes have been made. That's another reason why getting back together in in-person worship is so important. We need that sense of community. It is universally crucial that we have that ability to interact and hear the word and sing the word together and pray. Hebrews 6 says this, Therefore let us go forward toward perfection, leaving behind the basic teaching about Christ and not laying again the foundation. James 2 cautions us. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you do not have works? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So we need to live a faith that evolves so we have more resilience as life goes on. We find hope in these words, Romans 5, verse 5. Hope does not disappoint us because God and love have been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So I have to wonder, knowing the reassurance that we get from words like these, whether there actually is a benefit from disappointment. Can there be any redeeming value? And we might ask, well, what about with COVID? COVID being a tremendous disruption in our life, what good might come of it? Many have talked about the appreciation they now have for what they already have at home and how much more they value that. There's been much more socialization with people in the neighborhood and with families. There has been a numerous demonstrations of increased creativity for home activities, things like cooking and trying different recipes, and in relationships. There has certainly been a, a new wave of enhanced techniques for distant learning and internet connectivity. And we might even get a vaccine in a faster process than would normally have occurred. So maybe there is benefit from the disappointing experience of COVID. Well, what about Jonah? Do we see any benefit from his experiences and his disappointment leading to anger? Jonah did acknowledge that his God is merciful, slow to anger, and full of kindness. He did mention to the crew on the boat that he was the cause of the storm. So he was perhaps willing to be thrown overboard. He did witness to that crew's, uh, crew people who were the sailors who were uh, participating in idol worship and converted them to his God, the God of heaven and the God who created the land and the sea. 
Through Jonah's story, God shows uh, great mercy by sending the whale that Sarah mentioned to the children, not for punishment, but for salvation. It was good news that the Ninevites did repent uh, in response to Jonah's prophetic warning. And we are taught that God shows mercy for all men, a single Jew, Jonah, and an entire city of Gentiles in Nineveh. So the reality is that disappointment is real, even disappointment with God. God knew disappointment too. He's lived our life. But remember the story of Jonah from last, uh, from Noah from last week and Jonah from this week. The good news is that God's love will find us, and it is steadfast. We don't want to let disappointment, self-pity, greed, cynicism, hatred, or other negative emotions creep into our lives and derail the plan that God has for us. Rather, we should practice authentic gratitude. It's hard to be thankful when you think you deserve more than you have. We should seek God's wisdom, but be prepared for it to come to us through life experiences, through other people, through the written and spoken word, and the Holy Spirit. Clearly, being a Christian shouldn't be a spectator sport. We need to pursue, hear, and see God's plan for us and respond. Act, but be very careful with reaction. As a Christian, we have so much defense against embedded disappointment. Through God, we are forgiven, loved, and free. May we recognize that. May it be so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.